Hello and welcome back. This is Amanda Plevel, and you are on our podcast, Bringing It to the Table. Um, we're going to get into some more tenets of the COP theory, which is cellular optimization through polyvagal and phenolic conditioning. And just a little bit of um, discussion on, on why autoimmune and chronic inflammatory disease is um, such a such a trigger, such a such a conundrum over what to do. And the big part of it is there are just so many multiple causal factors. And if you do some research, go on to PubMed and type in, you know, look up for articles for autoimmune being on the rise or um, trending therapies for autoimmune. And it's very interesting because you'll see, basically we keep coming full circle um, saying, we don't know. (laughs) That's, that can basically be the sum. You'll, (coughs) excuse me, you'll see that, um, the research and the studies show that autoimmune is on the rise heavily, not just in small increments as well. So as we have stated in the book, retraining the autoimmune allergy brain is, um, that it's, it's, a it's a prevalent and relevant topic and condition that is probably going to take center stage, even in its correlation to cancer. Um, it's probably going to rise above cancer. In my opinion, this is just my, this is just my thinking process on it, that it's going to become, um, more prevalent than, than cancer research. And some cancers are even going to be found to be metabolic and related to autoimmune and chronic inflammatory. Sounds kind of, kind of obvious. Um, but it seems like it's going to come back to a root stem here. One of the biggest things that we talk about in Retrain the Allergy Brain and the program that we use at the Autoimmune Center is um, that we have to go beyond physical. We have to, it's so archaic for us to be thinking um, only along the lines of cause of disease, only along the lines of what's happening physically. Um, The more and more I research over the past 15 years and the more and more I study about this, the more and more it looks like physical is the secondary factor. And if it's the secondary factor, then we need to get at what caused those secondary factors. And that gives us a little bit of a different approach. So I'm going to talk a little bit about salutogenesis. Um, I have a blog article on salutogenesis and how it relates to our work with autoimmune. And I will put that link in the description and you are welcome to go and check that out. Um, but basically, we have been following the physical model for years and years and years now called pathogenesis, which is the study of the cause of disease. That's been kind of the hallmark of our disease care so far. That's, um, that's how our healthcare system operates. And, you know, one big downfall to that is, is it puts our attention so much on what is wrong rather than encouraging causes of health. Um, and, it, and, and I believe that it creates more of a fear-based mentality. Like we're assuming then if our, if our healthcare, if our medical healthcare is all on, um, well, not even just medical, if, if all modalities healthcare is on taking care of the cause of the illness that you came in for, um, we, we're missing prime opportunities to create health. What that tells us then is that disease or poor health is inevitable and it's just a matter of time. Um, Even if the intention wasn't to create fear, that's what that does. And so I choose to look a lot at 
um, kind of the vibration and the energy and the intention behind our actions and what we're what we're doing with any model. Now, salutogenesis, on the other hand, is a um, is the cause of health. It's a system, a concept that was derived by a man named Aaron Antonovsky in 1979, and he was studying stress and coping skills at that time. Um, it's interesting because you you'll have all links to um, references and resources if you go to listen to the or to read the blog. But um, one of those references referred to pathogenesis as retrospective and salutogenesis as prospective, which encourages its expansion um, into the science of positive health. And I love that phrase that Becker uses, the science of positive health. And I think that's what we as as a culture and as a society need to shift to. And it's certainly what we do with our work with autoimmune at the autoimmune center. And so, um, salutogenesis strives to create an environment that's conducive to health. And that's, um, that's what our model in retrain the allergy brain really tries to follow. When we work with somebody that comes in with autoimmune or chronic inflammation, the the first thing obviously is that we want to set your environment for success because nothing's going to change if you're doing the same things. If you're living in the same, you know, toxins, if you're, if you're eating the same foods that are causing your particular body harm, you know, that's, that's kind of the obvious first um, method that we have to look at. But interesting, Antonovsky um, has a concept that goes along with salutogenesis that he calls sense of coherence. And I love that phrase also, the sense of coherence, because I have said before that I believe autoimmune to be um, a disease of separation. It is it is a solitude. It is a pulling away from yourself, um, greater cosmic energy, pulling away from divine, pulling away from the ideal um, or the idea that you had for yourself and for your life. It's like a constant attack on your individual being. And I like when um, Antonovsky talked about the sense of coherence. Um, he says it's, it's like our sixth sense and believes that it was... Um, evolutionarily originated for the survival of our species because it helped us to adapt um, to preserve our health. And so um, things like we need to we need to be able to understand the problem we're in. We need to be able we need to know that the problem can be managed with the right resources and we need to be able to learn and grow to attach some kind of meaningfulness to the stress um, or illness because think about it if if this was related to the survival of our species um, years and years and years and centuries ago um, it was pretty important for us to have to understand the problem so that we did not get into the same situation again Um, if that boulder came rolling down the hill we'd need to understand why that boulder came rolling down the hill and what to do differently we would also need to know that it could be managed having that sense of manageability gives you a sense of confidence and hope. If it feels like everything you're doing is doing nothing, you develop what psychologists call a learned helplessness. And Dr. Martin Seligman is a wonderful resource for his research and studies on learned helplessness. In fact, one of my favorite books of his is called Learned Optimism. And he talks about optimism versus pessimism. And in fact, that is one of the questionnaires that we use when we take on a new client at the autoimmune center 
is we look for those that have the resilience and the optimism and the hope and the manageability to believe that they're going to get through this and can take meaning from the illness, they tend to fare better through the whole course and through um, just moving through the illness and and developing resolution strategies other than other than you know people that test more pessimistically um, and those that need to maybe be trained a little bit more into having that confidence and that hope and give them the tools to understand that they do have a sense of manageability and and then to teach them the meaning behind the illness or the disease so they can learn and grow it's all about coping and, and manageability where in chronic illness it can be fleeting um, we can definitely feel like it's very hard to have coping skills when you're dealing with something like autoimmune or chronic inflammatory disease where it is pervasive it deals across your whole life and it's not it you know it's not just confined to your health it affects your relationships it affects your work it affects um your parenting um that's called pervasiveness and we can that's part of the learned helplessness model that if we believe something to be pervasive personal and permanent that gives us more of a pessimistic um outlook on things and so we will talk about those more in upcoming podcasts um i'll write myself a note right now so that i remember to do that because it is definitely something that we look at like i said we do this as part of a a a quiz to which people will naturally be able to fare better through our work and which people will need to be trained into that a little bit more so um the blog talks a little bit about our uh, the sense of coherence it's interesting also to use that word coherence because one of the apps that we utilize and we teach people to utilize um, is called they're, they're neural apps one that we use is called heart math and one of them it talks about the coherence with your heart and your mind, your mind-body coherence, your heart rate variable patterns, being incoherent with um, your your body and to, to energy outside of your body. And it's very interesting because so many people that I work with, we understand that they are in a sympathetically dominant state, meaning their body has shifted into fight or flight and stays there. How does that relate to autoimmune? that is part of the rejection response. I fully believe that cellular defense response has a huge thing to do with autoimmune manifestation. And so how to get out of that state is a big one. And so when I'm working with people that are having this continuous state of um, being in the fight or flight, they can have panic attacks and not even be realizing it all of the sudden you know you you have this sense of anxiety or you have a panic attack in your body that takes off without you even knowing about it and it goes beyond your mind being able to control it it's just that the body is so used to being ready for attack that it it gets exhausted and all of a sudden that next stressor comes along well what we find when we use the heart math tool is it's very hard for people to even get into a state of coherence. They can sit and they can do the work, they can do the breathing techniques, and that coherence line, the heart rate variability line, just does not 
get into a good flowing pattern. And so we have to do a lot more cognitive behavioral work to be able to get the body to believe and agree (laughs) that it is not in a state of attack and stress. Um, So we we want to be clear that we use a salutogenic model. We want to apply all that causes health. We don't want to chase the numerous avenues in an attempt to identify the cause, you know, the one thing that could be causing it and then cure it. Um, What we do on on the blog is it's like like our online journal. We spend a lot of time researching and then creating articles and posting them as if they were in um, a medical journal so that it's all in one place and all of the things that we think are applicable to why a person might not be healing is on this blog and so uh, we're we're trying to find the causes for health why do why do some people have more success with being in that coherent state okay so um getting back to the sense of coherence so it, it has a role in health preservation because we have the ability to access resources we have the confidence in ourselves to be able to manage it where we stay out of a learned helplessness state of mind. It's definitely a way of perceiving life to manage successfully through the infinite number of stressors that we face in our lifetime, especially as a person that has a chronic illness. Um, Oftentimes it's the loss of hope and the continuous fight that prolongs the condition because think about it. One thing that we talk about when we do our work in the autoimmune center is we we talk about resisting the fight. Um, That's kind of the that's kind of the the going mentality is, you know, you get diagnosed with cancer, you get diagnosed with some terminal illness, you get diagnosed with a chronic illness. And it's like, you're a warrior, you're strong, you're fighting, you can fight it, you can beat this. And how I look at autoimmune is exactly the opposite. I think that it was the life of being in the fight in the first place that changed our cellular stress, our cellular defense um, ability. And so we don't talk about gearing up for the fight. We want to induce a state where the body can create a new cause for health, if that makes sense. Um, we That continuous fight when we're constantly um, trying to fight the illness, let's find the next thing, let's take the next supplements, let's get the new meds, let's you know do this next new food diet plan. And we're constantly throwing something at the symptoms or at the disease, hoping that that's, that's it. That's going to be the, the resolution to it right there. And sometimes we need to let be, create the environment and let be and trust that the body is picking up on a new program. When we work to give the cells a new program, there's a sense of trust that comes along with that and love that goes to our cells and giving them what they need, knowing that they will create a new pro- a new program, which takes time. It's not like you just take a Tylenol for your headache and then the headache goes away. It's you, you give the body new nutrition and that changes the next, co- next generation of cells that develop. And you give them new ideas, new thoughts, new vibrations, new patterns. You get them out of the fight or flight and that changes the next generation of cells that grow. And then you give them new nutrition and you remove some things that aren't working and you put in nutrition that your body does need and that changes it for the next generation of cells. So it's definitely 
a generational process and we have to be patient through that. It's not the fight. And I want to emphasize that it's not the fight for let's find the next thing that's going to work, the next thing that's going to work, the next thing that's going to work, because nothing is going to just stop it in its tracks. If it just stops it in its tracks, it's going to be a band-aid cover-up and the body did not get to resolve the problem of why it developed this in the first place. And then we're going to see the, the eruption later on down the road. So if we want the body to be healthy and we want it to stop being in this place of rejection, we have to learn a different mentality of acceptance. And I don't mean just lay back and accept the illness. I don't mean that. I mean accept the process. See it as a process. See it as a generational work. See it as a work in progress. Okay. Um, my last statement on the blog, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it here too, is that I believe autoimmune is an individual attack. Conceptively, we have to look at why are we attacking ourselves? So many concepts go to relate with this. Um, what do we feel guilty over? What do we feel shame over? What do we beat ourselves up over? What are the things that we're constantly saying to ourselves? We're going to do a podcast on the ABC principle, and that's helping to learn um, what it is that you're what adversity is causing issue in your conceptual mind and how are you responding to it? And what does that dictate to the cells and how they respond? Okay, I believe that autoimmune is a disease of separation, like we were talking about the coherent factor. And I believe it's rejection. It's a, it's a, um, it's cells that are standing up in defense, ready for, ready for attack at any moment. Um, they're in a place of defense, then they must be in a place of rejection. If they are rejecting, you're not going to be receiving nutrients, medicines, um, foods, in any any way that you are naturally supposed to. Uh, One thing I recognized in myself is that I had an issue with the cytochrome P450 enzyme, which um, I should have known sooner because I do not metabolize and utilize pharmaceuticals very well. In fact, I have the exact opposite Um, effect. And knowing that about myself, I'm a lot more cautious with pharmaceuticals when I would need to take them because um, I know that my body does not utilize them. It morphs them more than than anything because of how my body sees things and how it breaks things down. And so we want to teach the body um, how to utilize nutrients and, and phytochemicals and if need be, you know, pharmaceuticals, how to utilize them and and what to do with that rejection response, what to do with a cellular defense response. Okay, so we are going to move on from here. I appreciate all of you listening. Definitely go back and listen to some of the other podcasts that we've had previously, particularly the one on the cellular meditation everyone's talking about. That is so important to begin giving the cells a baseline for a new program, um, giving the cells, creating that that environment that can cause health. I enjoyed having you with me today. Look forward to next week and we'll talk again. Thanks for bringing it to the table with me.